0: You know, growing up in, you know, I was raised by women, so I'm, I'm not intimately aware of how Black women's hair is. But, you know, I have a daughter. I take her to the beauty salon and, you know, I get it. I definitely understand it. I understand the historical sense of it, the political sense of it, and the cultural sense of it. And I found that to be a very clever way explaining why diversity can be sort of hijacked and or hacked, if you will, and manipulated in such a way that we can see it coming. But those outside of that space will never know because we're feeding, because the Hazel character or the, the women like Hazel, the OBGs, play to certain ideals of, of performative Blackness. Mm. And I think that that's the, that was, and that in plays a part of that performative nature.
1: Hi everyone, welcome back to Bookish. Today we are going to be talking about a novel called The Other Black Girl. And to help us with our discussion, we have two wonderful guests. Kofi, Sylvia, and I are very excited. We have Jenny Charlton-Jackson and Faye McRae joining us today. And I want to tell you a little bit about them first before we get started. Jenny is our colleague and an assistant professor of English at Howard Community College. She received her PhD from Howard University and also has a master's degree from Seton Hall University. Over the past 16 years. She has taught a variety of English courses in writing, literature, and literary theory at different institutions and held many positions within education. Dr. Jackson's research interests specifically focus on the emergence of African-American texts as socioeconomic protest through the usage of the romance trope and their relations to an adaptation from Victorian literature. She is also a wife and mother of three children and all-around badass. (laughs) Welcome, Jenny. (laughs) And Faye McRae is an author, playwright, poet, and essayist whose work has been featured in the HuffPost, Parade Magazine, Little Patuxent Review, ARP Magazine, Black Girl Nerds, and other popular publications, Faye is also the editor-in-chief of a popular mental health website and a board member of the Howard County Poetry and Literature Society. Faye is a former attorney and proud graduate of Binghamton University, Howard University School of Law, and the Johns Hopkins University Graduate Writing Program. Faye is also a married mother of three beautiful boys, and you can find Faye on Twitter, on Instagram, and Facebook. Welcome.
2: Welcome. Um, Yes. So I'm just going to go in and tell our audience a little bit about our author that we're reading and discussing today and a little bit about the book. So as Laura mentioned, we're talking about The Other Black Girl by Zakia Delilah Harris. Harris received her MFA from the new school and worked herself as an editorial assistant at Knopf Doubleday for three years before quitting her job and leaving to write The Other Black Girl, which is her debut novel. And y'all, it set off a bidding war between the publishing houses, and she landed a seven-figure book deal for this thing, which is like- For her first book? Yeah, by any standard. And it's like super ironic because it's a book that spoofs and satirizes the very industry that was like vying, (laughs) you know, like competing to buy the book. But I guess the publishing industry thought it was great. And maybe they just really like to talk about themselves that much. Reviewers have described it as bright and funny, but also as devil meets Prada meets Get Out. (laughs) <laughs> which I thought was a really good like, like combination of the two. The Other Black Girl, or OBG, as Harris calls it, was nominated for an NAACP Image Award and long-listed for the Dublin Literary Award, and it's currently being turned into a series for Hulu, which Harris is writing some of the screenplay for. So, yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's, it's out there. It's been out there. And for our readers who have yet to read the book, Briefly, the novel centers around a protagonist named Nella, who works as an editorial assistant at the prestigious publishing house called Wagner Books. Nella is the only Black woman who works at her office, and she experiences microaggressions upon microaggressions and is exhausted from being the one whose labors primarily fuel and all their diversity initiatives at work. Until one day, in walks another, or rather the other, Black girl. And this sets off a series of events that blend humor, drama, suspense, and highlights issues of diversity in the workplace, such as being in predominantly white spaces, being compared to other minorities, and trying to navigate office politics as well. So yeah, it does it all. <laughs> it does a lot in, in, a, in one book. So my first question for us is, and I will say that that Harris talks about her inspiration for the book was when she was obviously working as an editorial assistant, she was the only black woman in her office. And then one day, another black woman came to work in her office and she describes this experience of being in the bathroom, like washing her hands at the sink and in walks this other woman And she doesn't say anything to her. Like, this is real life. Like, she didn't say anything to her. I think she might have frozen up or something. And she said it was a super weird, awkward, not what she expected that first experience to be like, because she wanted to like smile and be like, hey, you know, like, I'm here, I see you. But it didn't happen that way. And so she thought to herself, this would make a good book, so that's what kind of started the whole. That's what kind of started the whole thing. So my first question for everyone is: Have you ever experienced this before? The idea of being the only, and then suddenly not being the only anymore, or maybe being the other, because the antagonist of the book is Hazel. She's the other black girl, and you know, what did you guys think about the two of them, and whether you identified with one more than the
3: other? I'll jump in <laughs> so first like when I finished the book I felt like I either like wanted to hug it or throw it <laughs> because I just so identified with it and I think it stirred up a lot of things in me that I had never really like been in touch with so absolutely I felt this experience I think in some way shape or form since I was like in elementary school I've been the only in various spaces which is why I ended up at Howard so shout out to my fellow Howard grad because I was <laughs> experience at the HBCU. But there is this kind of internal battle that takes place, I think, when you're the only and someone like you walks into the room, you think, are they going to be with me, you know, to kind of fight these battles that I've been fighting? Are they going to do it better than me, you know, or are they going to get in my way? You know, and I feel like in so many ways, she captured that sentiment and that feeling in it. But I have to, I don't know who I identified with more, but I will say I did not trust Nella from the beginning. <laughs> I just, she just felt so unreliable to me from from the opening line. Are we allowed to give spoilers? Is that okay? Yeah, okay. (laughs) Why not? I don't
0: think that's a spoiler.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I (laughs) I mean, because you ultimately we we shouldn't have trusted her, right? I mean, she ended up going to the dark side, but you know, I feel like I identified with that struggle, you know, that she that she was feeling throughout the book.
4: Yeah, I think uh, so. I too definitely have been the only, the only you know, I can, I thought of, I was like, which one probably stands out the most? And probably at NASA, I was part of this educator astronaut program implementation team. And though one of the astronauts who headed it up, he was black. Other than that, you know, he was at the top and didn't, you know, really, you know, not necessarily had a lot of interactional personally with us. So, you know, and I just remember that feeling, lots of feelings. So you feel like you are, you know, there to represent in many ways because I just always felt like I was being watched. And, you know, in a meeting, if you speak up, I felt like more than anybody else, all heads would swivel to me. And she speaketh, oh, You know, and so that's at least, you know, the feeling that would arise. And, you know, just on so many levels, too. Nella, I thought, was a very human character. And so I did appreciate all of the insecurities that Harris brought to life through her characterization. But I was very frustrated with her as well. And sometimes I was frustrated with Harris because... She sought to dump so many details, you know, so that we can know what was going on. But oftentimes, at least it was my experience, I thought it helped. It's somewhat distracted from then that main storyline and you would kind of have to go back. You could weed through pages of some extra if that made sense. So, yeah.
3: You think Um, that's what she was in it? You know, like when? Because I mean, this was sort of mirroring her experience. It felt like she wanted to get it all in, you know.
4: (laughs) Right. I just, I don't know. For me, I thought it could have, at least at points, I certainly understood what she wanted to do, but I thought it could have been done. I don't know more effectively where it wasn't just, you know, every once in a while these sort of tangential, you know, ways out. I don't know. I don't know if that could have been done possibly in just other chapters, but it was pretty constant, I felt, through the book. And so I was always kind of going to this new place and then being dragged back, you know, to where she wanted us to be. So that was problematic for me, you know, but I I am. Yeah.
0: No, no, if you finish, if you haven't.
4: No, I was just saying, but, you know, I can be that you know, critical readers. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I hear what both of you are saying. And from my own personal experience, it. I, I never had that in, in a workplace scenario. But when I went to University of Connecticut and I was in the English department, I was the other Black guy. And the weird, interesting thing about it is, I guess in some ways, I was like Hazel. People liked me more. And it wasn't that my buddy, Reggie was unliked. In fact, he was very much liked. And then when I came, it was almost like I'm a shade lighter than him, but I'm not that much lighter than him. And he was a shade darker. And I noticed that when it came to some of our white colleagues, they seemed to treat him differently than they did me. Like they would invite me to house parties more, for instance. And they wouldn't necessarily invite him, but you know, Reg had his own thing, so, you know, he didn't like cry any salty tears over white people not inviting him <laughs> to a party. Um, so but you know, it was distinct, you know, And I think the cohort that I came in with, you know, looked at Reggie maybe a little bit different. Now, they may argue completely that's not true, but from my lens and our conversations that I had with Reggie, There was a difference. He and I were not competing because, you know, I revered him. I thought he was, I I still think he's one of the most brilliant men I've ever met. And he's uh, at TCU, I believe now. Uh, So shout outs to Reginald Wilbur. But, you know, I, I definitely know of Black women who have been in a similar situation where they felt like they were competing with other Black women who they thought they should have had a kind of alliance with, which begs the question, why do we want to assume that we should have a same alliance, even though because of our skin tone, as the old saying goes, just because they're your color, that doesn't make them your kind. Not everyone's your color is your kind, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, that that was one of the underlying themes of the book, that mm-hmm. there was this imposition or this sort of belief that Hazel was down with her. And that's part of the problem when you're the only one you're sort of left to fight battles and you don't have an ally. And so someone who comes in that seems like you, wear their hair like you, maybe have certain mannerisms at you, you feel like there's a, a kinship or a friendship there and only to find out that that's not always the case.
4: But I, I, I think, Harris, I love how she complicated the text enough to also show why. So yes, we get that insider look right into Nella and that she just so wants someone who's going to be there. But at the same time, you know, Hazel comes in and she does a great job of also becoming that person. Right. And so, you know, she just seems so, you know, friendly and you know that she so gets like Nella's position and what it must be like and that solidarity must take place so I don't think it you know I don't think it's fair to just say Nella just fell into that trap she did but she had some help because of Hazel's characterization which you know was also presented to us as she certainly was wearing a lot of different faces, you know, mm-hmm. and so she did seem to be, you know, the person, even that luncheon where, you know, you can see Nella hesitating. Should I really give her the lowdown here? You know, and she's debating internally with herself and then Hazel says something that, you know, decides it for her. Kofi mentioned hair. Mm. So can we talk about that? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the-
0: the only person without any
1: yeah (laughs) you know and I'm I'm somebody who like when reading this reading books in general I don't connect dots very well I just read so the hair grease thing you know I know some people are reading it and going like I knew it it was going to be something with the hair grease or a hair product but I did it I mean because I wasn't trying to put any dots together (laughs) so what did you think about the Basically the the hair product being the vehicle for this mm-hmm. manipulation that's happening. And that also, of course, allowed Harris to talk more about hair being yes. an important part of the these black women's experience in professional, you know, settings. I thought it was brilliant. And I, I have to think I I, I saw it coming. <laughs> I was like, girl, do not use
3: that in your hair when your hair is dry. I was like, <laughs> right, right, But I, I saw it coming. But I mean, you know, Black women's hair is political. You know, it's always, it's always been politicized and, you know, straightening it, how you wear it really impacts how you assimilate into certain environments and into certain cultures. So I thought to use that as a vehicle was pretty
0: brilliant. Yeah, I, I kind of saw a little bit of it coming too, I mean, because, you know, growing up in, you know, I was raised by women, so I, I'm I'm not intimately aware of how Black women's hair is. But, you know, I have a daughter. I take her to the beauty salon. And, you know, I get it. I definitely understand it. I understand the historical sense of it, the political sense of it, and the cultural sense of it. And I found that to be a very clever way explaining why diversity can be sort of hijacked and, or hacked, if you will, and manipulated in such a way that we can see it coming, but those outside of that space will never know because we're feeding, because the Hazel character, or the, the women like Hazel, the OBGs, play to certain ideals of, of performative Blackness. Mm. And I think that that's the, that was, and that in hair plays a part of that Performative nature. So it was clever. And I and I take your point, Jenny. And I wonder if, and I can if I can ask this, I wonder if the expectation for someone having had that background and to produce the kind of writing, was there an expectation that it should have been a bit higher in in terms of nuance, in terms of metaphor? Because I did find that, you know, like, oh, okay, I think I see what she's doing. And then I saw exactly what she was doing. Like, aww. <laughs> Aw,
1: you come mean on, like it was. Pre- you mean like it's predictable? Is, is that what you mean?
0: Well, I don't want to say, well, it, it wasn't predictable, but it wasn't as surprising. Okay. If that makes okay. sense. I, like, I understand. When you get to the point where you go, oh, well, of course. I mean, mm-hmm. it seemed like, yeah, you know, it okay. was kind of the opposite of what happened to the protagonist in Invisible Man instead of going underground <laughs> she stayed above ground you know <laughs> and so that seemed to be I, I still felt the book is, was clever uh, you know I think you know, yeah I think one of the book review book jacket reviewers said something about it being clever and I think it is a clever book I can see why they want to make yeah I think
2: she, she I actually think she did a really good job with the nuance juggling all these nuances like What we just talked about with the hair, you know, the idea that absolutely hair has been politicized, especially black women's hair, you know, but the idea that hair in general, especially for women, can be a symbol of power, but that power becomes manipulated and used against, you know, each other, you know, and the perpetrators are other women of the same ilk. I thought that was really clever and like that turn, that twist, which she said she's a huge horror sci-fi fan as well. Mm-hmm. And she loves those like gimmicky twists at the end of the book. So like hearing that, I was like, oh, okay. She meant to make it a little like, oh, like that, Kofi. <laughs> you know? like, so that helped me buy into it a little bit more. But I really like the way that she, because it's really hard to do and like even hard to discuss, like complicates her talks about the issue of allyship and diversity, like in the workplace too, you know, and the idea that Nella wasn't as excited as she should have been to see another Black woman come in to her fold because immediately she doesn't know like that luncheon scene is a great example do i trust her but she because she also sees her as competition Mm -hmm. because there can only be one you know and where does that mentality come from you know and actually i think in an interview harris talks about how that was the idea that that's not a new idea like you know, black communities and other, she says, other minorities, like they've been talking about forever, this idea of like essentialism or, you know, you're, I think she, in the book, she mentions it as like crabs in a barrel, you know, Mm -hmm. scrambling over each other to be the one and where that comes from, like the commodification of our labor of, you know, white supremacy, you know, all of that kind of builds into like making sure you don't trust each other, you know, and Mm -hmm. we turn against each other. And I thought that was so well done. Like, how do you write a book about, I wouldn't even know where to Mm -hmm. start to write a book about that, you know, all the mind games, I think I would be triggered too much.
3: (laughs) I think especially like coming from the world of like the legal practice, like, you know, particularly in private industry, there was always this idea that every partner at a law firm had their mini, right? They had their mini person that grew up in Connecticut or wherever they grew up Mm -hmm. and like was just like them. And very often you know, as a black person in those environments, you don't have someone kind of to look up in that environment. And there's just this idea of there's only room for one or, or two, maybe at most, but, and I think that's where it sparks this feeling of like, oh, wait a minute, I have to shine because my livelihood depends on it because there's, there's not room for many more of us. And, you know, just, I guess, to your point, Kofi, about this idea that, just being in these environments, do we have this obligation to relate to one another? I think for that reason, yes, you know, mm-hmm. in some ways, I mean, I I think it's okay to have that expectation. I know I'm the, I was the first black senior executive at my job and privately I met with so many people, so many young black women at various points. It's a very big company. I'm so happy you're here, you know, <laughs> like oh, tell me about your experience. You don't know how much it means to me. And I could have taken that and just been like, eh, you know, I'm here, whatever, right. you know, but in some ways, like we haven't historically had those relationships with one another, particularly in these sort of businesses. So, you know, I mean, it's absolutely, I think, a structure of the, the privileged supremacist system that we feel this tension. I don't think we can own it completely, mm-hmm. you know, but I mean, I think ultimately what, what Nella did was her decision. <laughs> right. You know, <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think the idea of choosing and making a conscious choice or in some cases being coerced to make a conscious choice, I think we find ourselves whether you're the only woman in an industry or an only person of color in an industry, you're navigating your work, your your worth under the gaze of a dominant presence and and it happens to be a white male in the book that is the one that is going, is promising, hey, this might happen if we get this other guy, this sort of controversial person to come in. And maybe you can be the editor for that. It's like mm-hmm. dangling carrot in the stick. And I think that in many ways, when you are one of two, those forces end up doing that. And I don't know if it's always intentional. Sometimes it feels that way, especially if you are on the other end of that. If you're not getting the opportunity and you're seeing other people get the opportunity, there's a natural curiosity of why that person versus me. This person just got here. And so slight aside, I should say that Reggie and I were in undergrad together. So I knew him coming in, but still he he was still the only, Mm -hmm. until I got there, Mm -hmm. Black male teacher at University of Connecticut in the English department as a grad student. Now, that says a lot about Connecticut, um, (laughs) but it also says a lot about how whiteness becomes a preoccupation of ours when we're when we're forced to be the pepper in amongst all salt. You know, we stand out whether we want to or not. And so I think that one of the genius parts of the book is that Harris is trying to show that there's it's not as binary as you think. It's much more complicated. And, you know, even the hair grease edition, <laughs> I mean, that complicates things too, you know. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah.
4: You know, I also think something else that is done really well in the book is this sort of presentation of you know, all these different journeys. So diversity, but seen in so many different ways. So we get to see, you know, that Black people, even African-Americans, you know, staying specifically within their, you know, you can still have a very different way of looking at life, a different upbringing. And I certainly appreciated, you know, the way that she highlighted those different journeys. We also saw that even with the white characters, the one obviously that comes to mind, Nella's boyfriend and, you know, white character, but he didn't fit that. Yes. Powerful white male. I mean, yes, in terms of privilege, but, you know, he had taken a very different path and she really does a great job. And to me in that way, it does work very seamlessly the way she kind of tells these different stories and highlights diversity in such different ways. You know, yeah, Nella almost apologized when, you know, Hazel kind of pointed out, yeah, you kind of had it made. And, you know, I can think for myself, I grew up in a two-parent home where middle class, my parents, you know, it was all about education and they would do whatever it took to make sure we went to college and were successful. So yes, they're it begs the question, you know, does that somehow nullify, negate, or, you know, water down your Blackness because you didn't have the struggle, you know, and um, I just think those issues are there too, even though they're kind of certainly embedded deeply under the text. So I like that. (laughs)
3: I think that's why Nella struggles so much with Hazel's presence is because she had that crisis of identity, you know, with her own blackness and her worthiness and how she was representing her people in that space, you know? So for sure, I think that amplified, you know, a lot of the tension in the book. Absolutely.
2: I mean, I a hundred percent agree with what you guys are saying. And that's probably why I think, I don't know who said it, maybe Faye in the very beginning, like I was so frustrated with Nella because I was like, no, (laughs) you. (laughs) but then you can also see all the forces that contribute to second guessing and and doubting yourself especially for her so yeah I can't believe we're out of time this is insane Um, (laughs) this went by so fast honestly
0: I think when you have more casual people reading in the book club it goes by quicker I know (laughs) that's my two cents I would like to thank Jenny and Faye for joining us here uh, to talk about the other black girl. It was truly amazing and wonderful to having guests. Not to say that Laura and Sylvia aren't cool, but you know it's always good to have and open it up. And and that's that's excellent. Uh, you can catch us on Dragon Digital Radio at i don't even
2: Dragon
0: know Radio. Oh, that's a lot that's a lot to you remember won't even close. I, I totally wasn't but if you've been following <laughs> us along you'll see us on youtube post a comment always like the videos or not like it but if you don't give us a reason why we do check we like getting comments so please send us comments and we will eventually perhaps be on social media <laughs> <laughs> and we will be able to be a little more interactive, but that's coming down the pike. And I just wanted to give a little shout out to that. So if you enjoy the show, we're going to hopefully take it on the road a little bit. Test the wheels out.
4: Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank, Thank you, Jenny. Thank you, Faye. No. Thanks for having me. Bye, Faye. Thank you Thank so much. Thank you, Faye. Bye.
1: Connect with us. We are Dragon Digital Radio.